Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared, the apocalypse nerd Wallace, and Ed, uh, did it start live? Well, we'll do it again. I'll edit it out. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. You're going to edit out the live part? Yeah, well, I'll edit out the beginning part because uh, I don't know if it said it was live. I don't know. Uh, so we'll start again. Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared, the apocalypse nerd Wallace, and Adam Bomb Glancy for and the, the furry tumor. Uh, we're gonna, we're, in honor of the apocalypse, we're changing our cat's name to Emergency Food. Mm. For Podcast at Ground Zero, episode 27, The Postman. And we will be talking about not just the novel, The Postman, we will also be talking about the film that was kind of an adaptation of the novel. Of they the kept the title. Yeah, it's just three-hour epic by Kevin Costner dances with baseball. I don't know what the fuck he was making. But anyway, uh, <laughs> um, so, yes. So we'll be talking about The Postman, the novel, and the movie. Again, another of those uh, double plays that we've been doing here because there's a lot of that material. Um, in the news, uh, a couple things. Uh, uh, I did, I was mentioning to Scott, I did get to see The Rover, which we were talking about. And it's not a bad movie. It's a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. But it's not really quite as post-apocalyptic as we thought it was going to be. It did have a post-apocalyptic setup background, uh, more on the level of the first Mad Max film. Like, shit had gone down. Uh, things were not what they were, but it's nothing specific. You don't know anything about it. It was really just more of like the setup, the setting. That's it. It was really about the character and the mission he was on. That's really it. I got one question. So it's uh, it comes off more as a uh, a, gl a global depression, it's, like like the Dust Bowl of America or something like that. It's global economic. Uh, ecological disaster, but it's not. Uh, there's something like authority. There's there's something like food distribution. There's power, lights. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's definitely something like that. It's um, <clears throat> I think it's like ten years. I think they say it was ten years after the collapse. So it must have been some kind of economic collapse because there's they're still loosely organized. You know, government uh, on the, like I think on the coast in Australia, interior-wise, it's kind of people. It just seems like people are kind of on their own. There's like police patrols, you know, in there, but they're not really that effective because so much shit goes down. Uh, you know, people trade for food, gas. You know, money is kind of useless, but people still want like a mer. Uh, spoiler alert, but you know, he pays for things with American money. Like apparently, that still has value to people. And even the character's like, it's fucking paper. You know, it was like, American money only, you know. So I don't know if it's <laughs> So I don't know if it's an, just an Australian collapse or is it more global. I, I don't really know. They don't really get into it. Well, I love the idea that it could be just as fucked up in America, but these idiots don't know any better. It's, it's, it's possible. Uh, again, they don't really get into it, so it's, it's really hard to tell. Uh, but overall, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. It was worth seeing, you know. I dragged Nancy out to see it. She, she liked it. Um, is it not, not not so happy, you know, at times? But um, uh, I, I gotta ask: Does uh, does the sparkly vampire guy embarrass himself? No, he actually does a good job. He uh, he, pull, he pulls off his role very pretty good. 
You know, so I think what he's trying to do is shed that role uh, that he's been stuck with, you know, like a lot of these actors do to try to break away from that. Like uh, Harry Potter's, I saw, we saw a trailer the other day uh, for some Harry Potter movie that Harry Potter's in. Well, the character, whoever the guy, I don't even know the actor's name. He's Harry Potter. Right, um, fair enough. Which goes to show you how much he is stuck in that fucking role. Seven, eight <laughs> movies, he is Harry Potter. I don't know if there's anything else. I don't even know his fucking name. You know? So he's doing some kind of romantic comedy thing to try to shatter that image. Sorry, dude. You're always going to be fucking Harry Potter. You're stuck with that. Unless you do something drastic. You have to do porn or something. I don't know. You know? Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking, well, what, what, did, what did Sean Connery <laughs> do to get away from being James Bond? Like Zardoz? Yeah, yeah. Um, are we going to cover Zardoz at some point, sir, when it comes to psychedelic apocalypses? Um, yeah, we're going Psych- to Psychedelic nonsensical, yeah, 1960s apocalypses. That, that... Banana, banana hammock apocalypses. <laughs> but, um... Well, we'll throw it in there with things like whoops, the British movie yeah. whoops apocalypse, or, apocalypse or the bed sitting room. Yeah. Yeah, we could talk about that kind of stuff. But Rover, we're seeing... Um, uh, you know, it's again not not. It's just again more of a setting. Now, one that I haven't seen yet is Snowpiercer. Haven't had a chance to see that because the closest theater is a fucking hour away from me, and I just don't got the time to spend a couple two hours in travel to see this movie because it's opening. It's opening up all over Florida, just not anywhere near to me. You know. Okay. But it's in a shit, it's in a shit ton of places in California, Washington, New York. Texas. Not I, will be, I will be making an effort to get out there and bring you a spoiler-filled review as soon as I can. Um, uh, you know, I did watch The Colony, which you had uh, mentioned before. I, I, that came up. Okay. Because my Gene and I got on a sort of a kick of watching Apocalypse films recently that we hadn't, we hadn't seen, even if we'd heard they were no good. I mean, we watched um, uh, Dead Shadows, which was better than expected, and we watched... Um, how I Live Now, which I think I didn't give as good a review to that as I should have. It was actually in a lot of ways better than I, I said it was. Um, uh, Parts Per Billion, which was terrible. And we got around to the colony, and, you know, parts of the colony I liked, but I just... Remember The Day? Mm-hmm. The movie The Day? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. So they're, they're up against a gang of cannibals. But... Spoiler, but um, yeah, yeah, but this fucking gang of cannibals speak English. Are kind of you know they're kind of you know arrogant douchebags because they've been winning, you know, for so long that they're a little overconfident and that doesn't go very well. They are concerned about losses. They are you know, but what is it about cannibalism, the apocalypse, where everyone becomes so often it's just they become sharpened teeth maniacs who no longer speak English. You know, the the creepy cannibals in the road were people, you know? Yeah, they weren't some. They were people. Even when they kill their, the guys on the truck kill their buddy and gut him, and all they, you know, after they've killed, uh, one guy got shot, and, and, you know, they come back, and there's just a pile of guts left on the side of the road where they've taken everything useful. They didn't. They weren't snarling. They didn't not speak English. They didn't, you know, decorate themselves like you know, to, you know, these post-apocalyptic barbarians. I really get tired of that thing, and that that's all over the colony in spades. Yeah. Well, I got one answer for you, Hollywood. Yeah. But, um, but overall, it wasn't a terrible film. 
I mean, I like the setup, the isolation, you know, how they sent out the, you know, it was kind of uh, cool, like what they did to kind of get people and find where they are. I mean, there were some good, there were some decent aspects of it, but again, they defaulted to, it's cannibals. But you know what? I was kind of happy that it wound up being cannibals and not some kind of stupid, what, <sighs> take is with a grain of salt. You know, it's like, yeah, cannibals has been overdone. They kept on doing it. Uh, but it wasn't just like I was waiting for some kind of mysterious mutants or supernatural, some kind of crap. But it's like, okay, at least they went with something. They went baseline. Okay, it's just cannibals. Okay, cool. You know, at least they they were upfront about it. They didn't try to, you know, uh, candy coat it. It's like, hey, it's just cannibals. And it wasn't it wasn't that terrible. Uh, you know, they did have a boss fight at the end, of course, which is stupid. But um, yeah, and oh. my other my other gripe is poor old Bill Paxton. Having to play the guy who's having to play the asshole, that character who always shows up in the movie, who never makes a right decision, nope, never helpful, nope, uh, is always fucking up the people who are actually trying to solve the problem, nope. You know, he, he has no function except to fuck things up for the heroes while being cowardly, petty, mean. You know, no function at all as a person, or you know. I get a little tired of that cheap writer trick. You know what I mean? But he did a great job of it, though, because it's Bill Paxton. I, I'm always happy to see Bill get a paycheck because then maybe he can spend it making movies like uh, One False Move or uh, Frailty, which up until uh, up until uh, True Detective was my favorite Matthew McConaughey performance, which yeah. I want to point out is a performance where he's getting interrogated. So apparently... The key to getting a good performance out of Matthew McConaughey mm -hmm. is set up a scene where he's being interrogated there by the go. cops. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just got I, I just got that on. Uh, I it came out on blue. It came out on video, so I ha I picked up on Blu-ray because I got it like half price on Amazon. It was like half price. I'm like, okay, for half price, I'll pick this up. You know, you know. Yeah, true, de true Detective or Frailty? Which one? Uh, true Detective. I agree. Yeah, it can't be, it, the whole series, that whole series one, half price, I'm like, yeah, I got to get this. And it gave me, and it came with a digital, because it was like, I could get it, the Blu-ray for half price, and it comes with a free digital copy, or I could just get a digital copy for $10 less. I'm like, you know what, let me just spend the 10 more dollars, get the physical copy, and then have the digital version I can just take with me anywhere, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, uh, so yeah, so the colony, you saw, again, it has its faults, but it, it's somewhat interesting, you know, it's, it's again, we've seen worse. You know? Yeah, yeah, we have, we have. Uh, yeah, I immediately go to Zardoz again, but all right, moving uh, along. Let's move, move on. on to Mr. Brin's masterpiece. Well, one, one, one more thing that we didn't oh. talk about yet. Please, because we've had three weeks of this, and actually, I forgot that it was on Sunday night. So maybe that tells you what I think about it, because maybe subconsciously, I bl I blocked it out. Yeah, all right. <laughs> the last ship. You know, there have been two episodes so three, far. Yeah, three. Okay, three. Um, I somebody uh, somebody I saw somebody's review of the second episode where they're like, "Wow, the last ship takes a firm stand against terrorisms." Yeah, like, really. Yeah. yeah, and oh, now they've got another firm stand that Russians are bad. I'm like, okay, wow, you're really stretching your material here. Not the least of which that in the fucking novel. The Russians are not the problem anymore. Once you've had World War III, the survivors are standing around thinking, 
So we did that for reasons, right? There was a really good reason we exterminated our species, right? Yeah, let's let's fuck off that plan of continuing the war and just cooperate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but they're not doing that this time around, and you know this whole they kept the title, and there's a boat, but apart from that. Michael Bay explosion, you know. So, uh, <laughs> fuck you, I, Michael. I, I refer you to the um, skit at Robot Chicken where they talk about Michael Bay explosion. <laughs> Gotta find yeah. that. And, oh my God! But uh, yeah, it's. I thank you, Seth Green. Yeah, thank you. Maybe it was subconscious that I conveniently forgot that it was on Sunday night and didn't watch it. It's. Like it's like okay, I mean, in a mo in a contemporary setting, not you know, because again, the whole threat of nuclear war annihilation is just not. It's not the. It's not. It's not in fashion anymore. People don't get it. It's not so cool. Hip. People don't get it. You know. Not not to mention today the most the, the most annoying groups who want to make the most amount of corpses are Poe. And it's really tough to build up a nuclear arsenal the size of the USSRs and maintain it. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't happen. Okay, yeah. you could nuke a city, maybe. You know, that's not a apocalyptic scenario or story. That's a disaster movie, sort of, or a thriller. Um, yeah. But and then, to, we're, and then we're and then we're gonna blast your fucking whole country into the Stone Age. You know. Yeah, it's, and it's, what did it's, you get to do? Oh, you blew up a city. How yeah. how how nice. Yeah, did that work for you? I mean, and granted, there are places that don't need their cities blown up, you know, like Seoul, South Korea, or Tel Aviv, Israel. But uh, it's not the world girding disaster. But the idea that there's that you could have cheap bug, uh, a cheap bug, a disease that will self-replicate, and you don't have to make it in a factory or aim it, you know, yeah. that's far more scary. We're gonna get more bug apocalypses. Uh, okay. we, should, we should. Are we gonna do a whole show on the bug apocalypse? Didn't we? did we already do one? We did. We did viral apocalypse. We talked about that. Okay. All right. Well, fair uh, enough. Because yeah, we went all the way back to um, uh, the 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 Mary Shelley novel. Mm -hmm. Um, was it the Last Man or is that the? Can't remember. She does. She did a viral yeah, apocalypse. The Last Man. Yeah. She did a viral apocalypse story, which I have to give her credit for. She may be the first one out of the gate. Yeah, episode, episode seven. Um, we did uh, May twenty eighth of last year. Uh, viral apocalypses. Okay, cool. Again, we talked about it in a broad perspective. You know, we didn't focus on anything singly. You know, that was one of our that was one of our broad topics. You know, but we you know again we can always go into more detail on. You know, individual. There's you know so much stuff we mentioned but didn't go into super detail. With we can also go back. We can also go back and hit the um, you know uh, hit a couple of these things. What they looked like before they became um, you know the, the, the we we could do the stand plus the miniseries. You know. Oh yeah, exactly. So, but, but yeah, so yeah, viral you know viral apocalypses are the thing now because again, if you're if you're under thirty, you just don't really get the whole nuclear apocalypse thing. It's not you're like well I'll get it. Not cool. You know, viral things are. Uh, what's popular? Vi you know, vi viral zombies, economic collapse. That's the whole. That's not the to mention. Game. Not to mention, it eliminates all that radiation problem. That you know, nobody likes the part where you scavenge for stuff in the wasteland and then you eat it and die because you didn't listen to the old man in the cave. 
who told you it was radioactive and you shouldn't eat that canned food. Um, everybody likes it where you just go off and eat the canned food and everything's fine, you know, and, and you scavenge through the ruins and, you know, it's picturesque as opposed to you're pooping your intestinal lining and throwing up your teeth, which is what we get with, you know, or you're, or you're sitting on the pile of rubble that used to be your house, you know. <laughs> Thank you, Jason Robards, there at the end of uh, the day after. All right, so now that we've gone on a huge tangent before we even started talking. It's uh, what we do. What a surprise. Yay, if you're, if you're, if you're new, uh, guess, guess what. But, the, uh, other, the other episodes are just like this. This is what they are. If you're new, you haven't seen this before, this is it. Because, uh, like I always say, this is a couple of friends who like discussing the apocalypse. We did, we've been doing this for probably 10 plus years. So we just decided to bring it all to you, the public. You because know, we love you. Because we love, we, we love to torture you. So, yes. Baby, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you keep watching. So, <laughs> we'll keep hurting you. Yes. It's like, what, what are they, what's Shaun of the Dead? It's like. I'll stop doing it when you stop laughing. But <laughs> so, all right, moving on to Mr. Brin's uh, mastery, and you, I, you, you know what I like about yours? You've got the non-shitty Kevin Costner cover. Uh, oh, it's hardback too. Nice. Yes, yeah, so I think I got this from uh, back in the probably late '90s, early 2000s. I was part of the the member they used to have like the thing like the Sci-Fi Book Club, and you can get like you know. Like a stack of like hardbacks like this for like you know ten dollars, you know. I need to go out and hunt up a used copy that doesn't have Kevin fucking Costner on it. Yeah, and then and once you do that, you should burn that copy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, exactly. we'll, we'll 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 do it live on the air. Okay. Maybe I can just tear the cover off. Can I just tear the cover off instead? No, I, th I think the whole thing's tainted. It's because it says on the back it it it, it has the movie. The fucking movie credits on the back. Yeah, burn it. Just burn it. Burn it. Burn it. <laughs> burn it. You gotta exercise it. So anyway, so The Postman. Um, so there was a book and a Kevin Costner epic film. So we're going to talk about the book first. No, no. Actually, we should talk about the movie. Do we want to talk about the movie and poop all over it and then move on to the good stuff? Yes, let's do that. Let's, let's yes, go in reverse right. order. Yay. So okay. there was a, a movie adaptation of the book. The, uh, the Postman originally came out, uh, actually it was in two uh, pieces, if I remember correctly. Yes, it was two novellas. Two novellas. It was The Postman and then Cyclops, uh, 82 and 84, and then it came out as one cohesive uh, book in uh, 85. And yep. then, and then the, so it came out during the heyday of, you know, the Cold War post-apocalyptic novels, uh, things like that. So, you know, it came out during uh, the right period of time. And then in 1997, there was uh, the Postman came out, and I was reading a little bit about it today. Uh, it got options like almost immediately for a uh, a film. It took many years for it to come out. A lot of people jumped on, came on, came off, wrote it. Completely. Who was the? Do you remember any of the more interesting people who might have been attached to it before it went away? Because uh, I want to know where was John Milius in all this. I don't you know, remember. Why couldn't John Milius have directed the Postman? Uh, let me. You know what, maybe this it. He talks about it here, so I, I'd have to find it again. Um, right, fair enough. Yeah, it, it's 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 somewhere. Uh, I just don't remember where. Uh, so he made this movie. Now, 
Yeah, he did talk about how they kept some of the parts and removed some of the parts. Uh, the biggest problem with the... It's a post-apocalyptic setting. In brief, we'll just give a brief of what it's about. It's this lone drifter. It's 16 years after there's a, an apocalypse. Now, it starts off, and you, learn, you don't really learn too much about it in the movie, but it's like there was like a limited nuclear war, then after that there was plagues, there was uh, crazy-ass survivalists, all kinds of economic collapses afterwards. So it, did, it took like a couple of years for the whole thing to finally tank. Like the, the limited nuclear war didn't just do it. It was everything else afterwards. And apparently there's a strong sentiment uh, in his book, uh, which comes into the movie about survivalists, because apparently survivalists are crazy-ass wannabe military whack jobs. And, hey, people still feel the same way nowadays, so he was ahead of his time. Yeah. Um, well, he certainly, uh, you know, part of the book is, and we'll just jump back and forth a little bit, part of the book is definitely that when he looked into survivalism, it was all these people who are frustrated with the way things are now, who were frankly not afraid of the apocalypse, but completely looking forward to it, because now they'll get to shoot everybody who annoys them, uh, they'll be the kings of the new world, because they'll have prepared, and everyone won't have food, They'll have to give them blowjobs in order to get a can of Spam. And it's, you know, these people who think that, you know, it's going to be the best thing ever after the apocalypse when, no, it's really not. It's not going to make your life. You're not going to be a better man or a bigger man. But certainly there's an aspect to the survivalist community that yeah. caters to that, that, that way of thinking. Oh, here we go. There's... <laughs> <laughs> Cat crossing. <laughs> yes, we're gonna get a fair amount of that this uh, this episode because I think I think I think you need to tie an American flag to the cat's tail so when he walks by it waves. Okay. Da -na 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 -na. With the restored the restored United States of America on it as it goes by. Or or, or the restored Republic of California, which yeah. we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So uh, things about the um, so. Things about the movie that I want to jump on and almost immediately is it's um, three fucking hours long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you beat me to it. Um, it's it three fucking hours long. This this is a film deeply in need of an editor because oh, it goes. I think on, it was edited. <laughs> and it, it goes on and on and on. And when you look at the actual story, that happens during the movie, it's less than a quarter of what happens in the 300-page book. Yeah. You know? The book's 290... No, I'm sorry. The book's 321 pages. You know? And somehow uh, less shit happens. So little shit happens in the... Um, alludes, they kind of allude to it. They take parts of it. Like, the whole thing with the the collapse and the survivalists and the play, you know, which he talks about a lot through the book. They kind of roll up into the beginning intro with like some statically bad heard old newscasts and then a little bit talking about, you know, what happened. And that's it. Done. You know. But there is a lot of beautiful, epic, spanning scenery shots that last ten minutes and, you know Oh yeah. Um right right up to it including that ridiculous bullshit off the dam where we put Kevin Coster in a bucket. <laughs> Why do we put the Kevin Coster in a bucket? Uh because we were hoping it would break. I don't know. I guess. This is this is pre or post um Waterworld. Uh, Waterworld, but 
for some reason, Kevin was really big on post-apocalypse for about three years there. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, the... Um, I give him credit, and it's like, great, we have a friend in the apocalypse, but he's not our friend. He's not a friend. <laughs> he's not a friend. He, 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 he um, masquerades as a friend of the apocalypse, but he's really not. Uh, he did, but anyway, so yeah, the movie's three fucking hours long. It could have been, you know, gratuitous sex. There's like this long drawn out sex scene, and there's a lot of big sweeping like montages of travel and stuff. It's like, oh my god, this movie could have been two hours easily. You know, yes. maybe an hour forty five. You know, if they cut it down to maybe an hour forty five, it might have been easier to swallow. Because at least okay, they're telling the story, they're getting through it. You know, like we did not need the whole. God damn it, was it 30, 45 minutes of the beginning? Because they don't have the Hollandist survivalists, per se, in the movie, but they have this group called the Eight, whereas this guy... Well, they, they call them the Hollandists, and they name-drop Nathan Holland. Oh, yeah, but, but yeah, they weren't the originals. They were but kind they, of, like, after. But they're, but they're, uh, but they're, they're nothing like the Hollandists in the book. Um, no, 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 no. He's like, apparently there was a, he did have a book, like some kind of manifesto book that the guy, and the guy was following it. But they build up this whole organization, like, look how cruel and military, like, for 45 minutes. Like, okay, we did not need to see the entire indoct indoctrination. We did not need to see all this. It was, like, so drawn out. It's like, yeah. okay, can we, like, condense it? Like, yeah, they're bad guys. We know they're bad guys. Yeah, they're bad. They're really bad guys. Okay, we yeah. get it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and the idea that, um, you know, and first, and again, the, the thing that also kind of annoys me here, is this thing where uh, they set up with our hero, Kevin Costner's character, who they never name. I mean, in the book, he's Gordon something or other. Um, let me just sec. Let me just go ahead quickly Gordon. check here. Yeah, it's Gordon. Uh, yeah, I'll never remember, so i got to look it up. It's Gordon Krantz. Yep. Yeah, Gordon Krantz. Gordon Krantz has a history. I mean, as the, the book goes on, you hear about, you know, he talks about how he was in college. He was taken out to fight in the National Guard. He was defending the the food silos. Yeah, the, yeah, the grain silos. And the, yeah, that the, that the Hollandists are deliberately blowing up so the cities will starve, so that there will be food riots, so that, you know, they can go, look how them inner city people are just murdering folks. You should totally be on our side because they're creating the crisis. And so you, he, he knew who the Hollandists were. He, he dealt with them all the way through the collapse, and it is now... Ten years after the collapse, and certainly sixteen years later. Yeah, certainly both the movie and the book give you the fact that it's sixteen years later that he was in college when it happened. Um, but and he's got the same job. He's performing scenes from Shakespeare and television shows as a traveling troubadour for his money. Yep. When he first starts out, but the movie he gets captured by the Hollandists. They put him in their evil cult, military cult, with fucking Giovanni Rabisi going full retard, I might note. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, and I gotta tell you, there was just no... I like, I like being part of something. But, uh. Uh, and, and they sure, they, they knit that into, he's got the brand on his arm for the eight, so he's a Hollandist. So, at the end of the movie, instead of having a big battle with the Hollandist, he challenges... General Bethlehem, under for the control of the clan, for the honor of the clan, and then having beat him, all the other Hollandists who are these fucking died in the wool, white supremacist, uh, you know, scumbags go, okay, 
Nobody just shoots Kevin Costner and says, I'm the clan leader. They just go, okay, we'll just not be bad now. I'm like... I know. They're like, they're not like, you know what, fuck all you, and just open up and fire. Because they have fucking... They have small portable artillery, automatic rifles. What did this mow all down? All the, all the Hollandists, well, you know, in the book, they're even worse, but clearly they don't have any skill set except war. Yeah. They don't know how to fix anything. They don't know how to grow anything. They don't know how to make anything. All they don't do is blow shit up, and they make everybody else do their, do their labor for them. And, and they're even worse in the book um, to the point where you don't fix the Hollandists by beating up the general. You fix the Hollandists by killing Every one of them. They have to be exterminated. They have to be broken. They cannot be just... They don't just drop their guns and decide to be citizens. Yeah. They are the worst kind of enemy because they utterly and thoroughly believe that they are, you know, morally superior, ethically superior, They're that they are, you know, uh, that they're better than us. Um, so they, they rank up there with jihadists, you know, uh, and oh, yeah, the books are a complete another, you know, they're, well, there's no movie, they're just, I don't know, I get it, it's just... They're like, they're like, they're, they're like uh, you know, fucking clansmen or something, they're, yeah, they're well-equipped, and they, 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 but they never actually demonstrate that the Hollandists are an effective military, are, are, are individually, like, good soldiers or anything, I mean, they're, they're, they're clearly decked out with cannons and... Anti-aircraft cannons, and even in the book, they they state that the Hollandists are survive this. Well, they just this survivalists because now anybody's like, oh, you have the generalization of the book how anybody wearing military hardware, oh, you're survivalists. That you know they say that in the in this world that they are the best fighters. You know that yeah. nobody you know. Yeah, when they actually take them on, they're losing eight men to one fighting the Hollandists because they're fucking effective. Yeah, and this they just seem like a bunch of fucking ass clowns in the movie. You know. Yeah, they're they're not scary. They're not individually scary. They're not scary as a group necessarily. Okay, yes, they got. But you know, there's that scene where they ambush a bunch of them in the movie, and they all just run around and bump their horses into each other until they all die. Yeah, because because in the movie, you know, was this is a theme that's reflected in the book is that how you know it seems a little like you know everybody's just all oh, so downtrodden. You know, oh, we can't resist. Oh no, we've given everything up. Oh look, there's a glimmer of hope of something from the past that's making us. You know, feel good about ourselves and rise up finally. It's like really, you know. But anyway, but the, in the movie, it says anyway. They, they they drag out you know a lot of stuff in this in this in the movie. This is horrible. And what I another again one of the things like that it's I'm picky as fuck about in all these movies is especially in in America is the you know the eight they're called the eight you know the Hollandists in the movie they're all like M16s and they'll have guns. But, like, barely anybody else has any guns. Well, I presume that's because since they're in the Hollandist territory, the Hollandists are not big on the Second Amendment and fucking took everybody's guns. Maybe, but there are so many fucking guns. So why weren't people able to rise up and resist? You well, know? resist. That's the, that's the whole thing about, yes, yes, you know what? If there's ever anything that Americans would be good at resisting, it's not going to be the government. But if a fucking militia turned up like you get in Serbia... You know, or the Balkans, I should say, or Africa, or the Middle East. Um, we could actually resist that stuff because everybody's tooled up. Um, certainly, that's what's happening in Mexico right now with the drug cartels. Yeah. That there are citizen militias forming 
to resist these guys, and they're doing a good job. And certainly that's what happened in Peru with the Sendero Luminoso, which was the local crazy communist guerrillas in the, in the 80s. The government hunted them and hunted them and hunted them and did the standard, you know, counterinsurgency warfare, never got anywhere. They finally beat them by handing out guns to the villagers. And when they armed the villagers and the Sendero Luminoso showed up and said, we're going to be taking your chickens, and the villagers filled their asses with buckshot, they didn't come back. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and America, American citizens would be able to hold off that kind of organized, resist, organized, you know, brigandry. Because you know? yeah, there's, there's, again, we're such an, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of people who don't have guns, but there's a lot of people who do. You know, you could just go. I bet, I bet you, you could go to my, in my complex. You're going to find quite a few households that are, have firearms. You know, I'm going to go ahead and suggest that I have more guns than I can carry. Uh, my roommate has, you know, more guns than everybody in the house can carry. I'm pretty sure we can equip a platoon as long as you don't mind bolt action rifles. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure we can equip a platoon or two uh, with gear from just one house, and you're gonna have houses like that where you oh, know. Yeah. I mean, I, I got enough to hold my own. I think know. there's one gun. I have, I have the basics. I have you know, sidearm, long arm. I have the basics to where, you know what, I can always get more. You know what I mean? It's So the whole idea that there's not a fucking gun anywhere in, well, it also is Oregon. You know, they're a little... No, uh, no, Oregon, Oregon's full worse. guns. Yeah. <laughs> it just are because... Are, just because, because, are there more neo-hippies up there than anything else? But uh, no, gotta, Oregon's a really conservative state. Uh, yes, well, okay, you got all the, you got all the populace oh. around Portland. But the rest of the state, you know, it's it's a they're like Alaskans, you know. Oh yeah, 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 yeah you're same, right. Same thing with Western Washington, you know. Um, but anyways, uh, the the the, the are kind of pussied. They're oh, I'm sorry, pardon me for using a gendered term to um, to describe somebody being weakened or disempowered. Uh, but the bad guys don't are, don't, are, don't don't be PC on this show, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I'm not sorry. Um, how dare you tell me what to do? I'll be PC if I want to. Um, but uh, uh, the bad guys are sort of disempowered. They're not as scary as, as they are in the book. And as a result, they're defeated by the hero who does, you know, Kevin Costner, who does all the hero stuff. Well, the book's about getting people together. Yeah. You can't do it alone. You can't do it alone. You can't survive on your own. You can't be a survivalist who huddles by himself with his stuff while everybody else goes down the toilet. You've got to work together or you're all going to fail. Exactly. And, you know, it doesn't all end up with, you know, a one-to-one -one fisticuff with, you know, the bad guy. It wins the, he wins the day. He wins the Internet. He wins the war. And it was yeah. such a bad fist fight, too. It was like, oh, come on. Seriously? He was over that quickly? You know? Yeah. yeah. It was just um, bad. Bad, 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 so, bad, bad. Yeah. The, the main character in the book, uh, Gordon, you know, is a guy who's one thing he's pretty good at is talking to people. Yeah. He's not a warrior. I mean, he kills a couple of guys, mostly by shooting them in the back when they're asleep, you know, because they're badasser than him, so it's all sneaky, sneaky, bang, you know, run for it. But um, Well, that, that, yeah. that, that, that makes him smart. You know, he knows his limitations, you know. 
But he's a guy who, who gets people to talk to each other and gets people to cooperate, and that's the whole point of him at first, you know, wearing the uniform because he's cold of a, of a postman. And I guess it's the same thing in the, in the, in the, uh, in the movie. He yeah, finds he, the he, uniform because he's cold. Um, but then, you know, uh, I think in the book he doesn't fake being a postman at first. He just shows up and thinks, hey, look, I know a nearby town. All these letters were going to the town. If I deliver the letters, maybe they'll give me food. Yeah. And he just barters them to people. And even so, he doesn't really, like, because they think, oh, he's this and that. He's like, oh, okay, I'll play along with it. He doesn't take it serious. Whereas in the movie, he's like, that's his fucking uh, agenda, you know, yeah. is, is uh, putting himself off as that. And, uh, but in the book, he kind of, and he wants to stop it in the book, he, but he, he keeps on going along. And because uh, the book is really more, about, like I said, it's about people working together, people having something to hope for, to bring to rally around, to bring them back, you know, because they have to unite to fight off, you know, the bad guys and the enemies. And he's just going along, and he finally buy, you know, he, he doesn't buy into it, but he, because there's so many times where he could have dropped, and he's like, okay, I guess I got to do it again. Like he doesn't want to do it. Like he really doesn't want to do it. And they kind of depict that in the movie too. But he does a better job of not wanting to do it in the book. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah Kevin Costner goes and hides in a. In a cabin with what's her name? Um, I can't remember the actress. Uh, but you know, it goes off with this actress, hides in a fucking cabin for a few months, comes back, and you know, finds out that uh, it's still going on without him. And I'm like, I, again, the movie comes to a crashing halt. I guess that the actress's name is Olivia Williams. I, I was uh, sort yes. of getting her, yes. getting her mistaken with Jeannie Triplehorn, who is the the girl de jour in um, Waterworld. But, oh, and speaking of which, I'll point out that the, according to IMDb, the crew of The Postman referred to this film as Dirt World <laughs> during production, um, which I'm going to admit there is a fair amount of dirt in it. Um, and anyways, uh, the... Uh, uh, you know, like I said, in, in the movie it goes on without him, but in the book he still he goes to the towns, sets up a postman, and encourages people to do it there on themselves. Hey, go to the town, go, have communications, write. You know, he encourages people to do it themselves, to yeah. go out, branch out, communicate with other people, become part of the collective. And and the Hollandists are not there in the book. Let's point out the Hollandists are not the overarching problem of the area that has everybody oppressed and repressed. They turn up uh, in the in the novel. They are uh, coming about north. Half, about halfway through the book, they turn. They start to turn up. Yeah, they they're coming north. And one of the big questions that is that's one of the great mysteries of the book. That's awesome. Is why are the bar yeah why are the barbarians coming north? Because we pushed them to the south a while ago, years ago. Yeah. Why are they coming back? And part, and, of, the, and part of the problem isn't just the Hollandists. It's like the problem in in the book is. You have all these people in these close towns, and nobody's fucking talking to each other. Nobody trusts each other. Nobody will trade. Nobody will communicate. And that's part of their problem, like why things bad things happen, because they let it happen, you know, because they've yeah. given up hope. Yeah. And uh, and certainly the um, – uh, one of the uh, – there's, there's, there's so many good things about the book. I, I almost don't even know where to start. There's so many bad things about the movie. I don't know 
where to start the the three uh, hours. That's where you start. The only character I, I first of all I hated Ford Lincoln Mercury. Oh yeah, he he should he should I, have died. Yeah, I, that the, the the inclusion of that character seemed incredibly stupid. Um, uh, the inclusion of I don't even think I'm not even sure Abby's in the book. I mean, well, there's she, a well, she well, there's the Abby character and Michael, and you know he does what he has to do for them, but he it, he it's not like the you know he goes on his merry way. Oh, I hope they're having a good time. I hope they're this. I hope they're that. You know, you know, wants to just me wishing them the best, talking to the previous mayor. It's not like oh, I come back because something happened to your husband, and I'm uh, you know going to claim my. Can I point out that the last letter, the letter at the end of the novel. Because when the novel ends, there's this thing, the what's it called the demo A at the end is a letter that's dated April twenty eighth, two thousand and twelve. Oh, it's already so, happened. So once again, the future has become the past because that always happens. Oh but, yeah. Um, yeah, but there was a character, a female character, who is the woman who trains up because the Hollandists have a number of bad habits in the book. One of which is that women are not people. No, they're, they're objects. Yeah, they're property. And men can have, you know, multiple women. They're not really wives, so per se, because, gee, that would raise them to a level of a stature that the Hollandists aren't going to extend them. And so one of the characters, I remember the book. So so they're, so, miso so they're misogynistic, macho assholes. Yes, with a little racism. You know what? I don't remember any racism in the Hollandists in the book, but I remember it in the movie. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely in the movie. The book, not really so much. They're just, I don't, uh, they're just kind of like run of the mill. We are complete assholes, you know. Yeah, I mean they've got this kind of uh, you know super uh, Darwinist survival of the fittest Superman bullshit going on. But I do not remember that. I don't remember any um, any racism necessarily. But I do remember them being incredibly misogynistic. Uh, oh yeah, and. Um, this one woman trains all these uh, women as a stay behind force to be to be in areas where the colonists overrun them, with the intention that they stay behind. They're captured by the colonists. They are uh, forced into the colonists, you know, sort of uh, harems or seraglios or whatever you want to call them, you know. And their job is to bide their time until they have a chance to murder them in their sleep. Yeah, exactly. Because they don't see them as a threat at all. Yeah. Yeah, and that was one of the that was one of the <laughs> one of the most yeah moments in the book where the Hollandists are just taken down a peg by their uh, by their total fucking arrogance. Um, it was um, the girl with by Cyclops, uh, the scientist. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember her name. I'm trying to find it. Yeah, you're right. It was it was uh, her, and it turns out that that Aggie project, or something is it like Aggie or something like that. Or Maggie? No, no, it was. Uh, Dina May. Oh, it's a, no, it's a Dina. Dina. Yeah. Yeah. There's not just one female character in the story. There's multiple ones. Oh, yeah. And, uh, her, and her little project is what changes, in a lot of ways, changes the course of the war because it gets the, uh, it gets the guys up in the Umpqua Valley and, the, and, you know, to finally come down and assist in taking out the colonists. Um, but uh, yeah, there's there's so many bad things about the book, and I guess the biggest bad thing to me is the idea that 
it all becomes it all the defeat of the Hollows is solely due to Kevin Costner in this yeah. mono a mono one on fight when the whole point of the book is people have to work together and work together in, in a lot of uncomfortable ways if you're gonna really defeat the bad guy. Oh yeah. Because, well, and, and here's and here's the other thing. Oh, by the way, folks, uh, spoiler alerts. We're spoiling a lot of this stuff for you, but uh, it's what we do. It's what we do. Um, one of the other things I hated about the movie was the in the ending, because the ending fast like after the events happen and they defeat the bad guys, uh, but fast forwards to 29, 29 years later. Okay, you know Kevin Costner is dead, and apparently in only. Now, mind you, they did make it 29 years, so it is quite a bit of time. Uh, I'll give him that. He didn't do it in five years. But still, 29 years seems to be not enough time to completely rebuild society back to the exact level it was before the fucking collapse. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like it's exactly the same, which, the, which is the one of the parts that really gets me. News crews and modern dress and boats and electricity. It's exactly, even though it's been a decade and a half of degradation, collapse, uh, rotting uh, resources, and all of a sudden, hey, everything's back the way it was. Happy day. Not know? to mention the idea that the world that exists uh, only before exists the because of the postman. The world that exists before, you know, the world before the collapse is predicated on. International trade, products being made around the world and being brought to our doorstep. It is a global economy. And so to get back to the world being exactly the way it was means you had to fix everywhere. You're not fixing everywhere in 29 years. It would be, you could get up, there could be great advances, but it would be a different world. You know what I mean? There would be, energy would be raised differently because you're not going to have access to Middle East oil or even Alaskan oil for a long time. Um, uh, the fabrics will be different because you're not going to get silk from China or cotton from Egypt. It'll, you know what I mean? It would have to be a world uh, far more carefully planned, far um, more colonial. Uh, yes, you know, industrial age. You know, maybe, yeah, 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 technology. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can totally imagine a world where they get back to it being the 1860s. Yeah. You know? Uh, but with the benefit of having all our knowledge, so we can make penicillin. We know how to make blue bread mold. You know, we can make all kinds of things, but we can't make everything out of plastic because we don't have as much petroleum. And you know, um, maybe there would be, you know, more people getting around in, a, in in sort of electric cars rather than petroleum-driven cars or whatever. There would be, it'd be a different world because you just wouldn't have the access to the global economy. And the global infrastructure and resources, and and like they they didn't show this, but I'm sure if they had camera crews and television, they I assume that they had planes, trains, and automobiles. But the thing is, as we well know, and we've talked about this, and I've read about it, is how uh, uh, plane electronics are very sensitive. You know, especially when you get to things like you know large aircraft, fighter jets, that. Stuff it actually degrades very fast. That's why stuff has to be replaced. Like fighter jets, constantly has to be replaced because it degrades. Sixteen years of just sitting around, you ain't have. There's no fucking planes at all. Well, well at least not the old planes. What? And then to to build a new one, you'd need the industrial base to build a new plane. Which means that World how about War one the, era plane? Yeah, yeah. You'd have you'd have planes made out of wood, <laughs> canvas, 
and uh, low low powered engines. You could have that. I have no problem imagining them being boom. You know, we know how to fly. It's in a book. We know how aeronautics work. The question is the industrial base to create that world. Yeah, they could make they could you know find something. They could take an old engine, make it work, put it in something, and you could get some planes again. But not you know not a thirty six jumbo jets flying through the air anymore. Could, or, could, how how about if they were sitting there filming the news conference, right? Yeah, and they were actually filming it, or or it was being shot onto. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I guess digital would actually be easier to preserve now that I think about it, as opposed yeah. to uh, reinventing film stock again. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can certainly see digital can maybe digital cameras still work, but the uh, you're right about the planes. I don't know how digital uh, electronics survive over long periods of time. I'm suddenly drawing a blank on my. Technical experts. Well, you know, there'd be stuff. You know, they could rebuild. They could, uh, you know, cannibalize. And but the thing is, they didn't, they wouldn't have had that when they made the film. You don't see it in nineteen ninety because we didn't have the digital technology in ninety seven. Oh, that's right. That's right. They still had. They were still filming on tape and stuff. You know. And the idea of cannibalizing stuff after sixteen years of of not using it, or how, or twenty years, or however long the period of chaos is, you're really going to start building things from scratch. You're right, and it would it look it would look very nineteenth century. Yeah. Um, or, but but with the knowledge of the 20th century to help make everything work better. Yeah, and there'd be there'd be some advanced technology mixed within it, you know, because we'd be able to cannibalize and uh, repurpose and reconstitute stuff. But um, again, it's not going to be uh, the overall. But anyway, that that was a problem I had with the fucking ending was the whole everything's back to normal, everything's fine after only yeah. you know 29 years. I don't know about that, you know. Um, shout out to things I love in the book. The East-West War, I remember him saying something at the beginning that it was the result of Slo the Slavic mystic movement, Slavic mysticism, which I thought was a hilarious idea that it was not the USSR, but some sort of pro-Russian nationalism. You know what I mean? So he's already in, eight, in the 80s imagining a post-Soviet problem, which I thought was really great looking forward. Um, so I thought that was awesome. I love the story of Portland, you know, because there's a big thing about the city of Portland held on after the collapse of the national government for like for, a couple of years. Yeah, from for it was long, it was like a decade before it finally went down, and it was just, it was it was compared to Troy or Atlantis or any of these other lost cities that held on for so long, and I love the fact that they kill Nathan Holland. That the federal government managed to find him and kill him and execute him, hang him for his crimes against the, you know, America, but it didn't do any good. You know, the damage is already done there. You know, the groups are there, and they talk about that in the book how you know they've eradicated. You know, there he talks in detail about you know, you know, you get like these little survivalist bullet holes. That the survivalists you find now are not the same survivalists that happened during the collapse. You know, they're yes, not the same yes. people. You know, because uh, because he's like most of them are gone. You know, yeah, uh, and, and but and I really I really liked uh, the one science the two science fiction things in it were the AI called mm -hmm. Cyclops, um, but I I one of the things I because he does say he saw an AI at like the World's Fair they were just coming in yeah so I thought that was kind of cool um, but I love the whole Delphic Oracle thing that they set up in Corvallis around Cyclops. Oh yeah, to get people organized, together, 
and also uh, one of the other things that they talked about, again, with trying to get people together was you had like this group of uh, like, you know, because apparently in the book, like a lot of people, like it, it broke down to like like tribal almost in very medieval dark ages, but there was like this group of like warriors, I guess they took kind of like a Indian stance because I think their leader was his ex-special forces Native well, American. He's, yeah, he's Super the guy. Yeah, he's the guy who's the squire of Sugarloaf Mountain and has yeah. the, the guys from the Umpqua Valley who have the best boss fight ever, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and he he was. And if I remember correctly, he was uh he was the he was the super soldier, right? That's why he's he, the second generation super soldier, because the first generation super soldiers that have now started off fighting the Holonists, but have now joined the Holonists and taken over as the lords of the Holonists. These guys were designed for war and were no good at anything else. And apparently were, you know, had that sort of thing where you couldn't just keep them in a box marked in case of war break glass. And they just started, they just started being a problem. And they yeah. continue to be a problem today. But that guy is the second generation of Super Soldier who can be sort of, you know, he can... I guess the cheap way to say it is he fucking hulks out. Yeah. You know, the other Super Soldiers are all these weird bioengineered muscle mass that doesn't quite look human because, you know, and, and, and he looks like a big strong guy, but at some point he just activates the ability and then suddenly just, you know, fucking balloons up. And um, I guess it's Macklin. Is that the guy's name? General Macklin? Who's the shitty super soldier general? Uh, not, I don't remember. <clears throat> but, yeah, the uh, I think they just called him the general. Um, but, yeah, then they had the world's greatest boss fight between those two guys. Like something, like something out of a, you know, Greek myth or Beowulf or something, you know? Um, yeah, uh, what does it say here? Uh, experiments, uh, augments, a type of super soldier. They were at least two different forms of the modifications, one based on use of strength-enhancing cybernetics, the other using a combination of cybernetics, hormone stimulation, hypnosis, and biofeedback to enhance agility and endurance. Yeah. Uh, the project uh, apparently also experimented in psychological, the psychology of augmentation. The protagonist notes that the strength-enhanced cyborgs Cyborgs were chosen for their for being psychopaths whose lo loyalty was entirely to the project and each other. Yeah, so that explains how they, you know, how they went apeshit crazy. We're gonna take over and kill everybody, you know. So yeah. that, make, that makes sense. Well, other way around, kill everybody and take over. Yeah. Well, you know. But uh, yeah, and that uh, so I, th that was the most sci-fi thing in the whole thing. Other yeah, than that, it was all the author, really the author. The author like has I think like an engineer. Uh, Degree in aeronautics and you know engineering, so he's a he's a tech guy, again for like 1982. So talking about supercomputers and super soldiers and cybernetics seems to fit the period, you know, the era. But apart from that, there's everything else in it is completely believable as yeah. social, you know, this social engineering or or you know what I mean. It doesn't go off on any wild tangents with mutants or you know. Uh, yeah, even the Cyclops robots. things, even the Cyclops things, believable. You know, I think it's more grounded in super soldiers. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and point out that there's a 
thing on IMDb that says that uh, at one point Tom Hanks was considered for the role of Gordon and uh, uh, what's his name? Opie Cunningham from... <laughs> Seriously? Uh, uh, what's it? Ron Howard was considered for the directing it. Oh, I was going to say he was going to be... Uh, um, uh, but I, I'm, I'm what's, sorry. What's his name? Uh, Tom Hanks would have been fucking great because... Not an action star. or Well, you know, that's funny. For a guy who killed so many fucking Nazis in Saving Private Ryan, yeah. <laughs> we don't think of Tom Hanks as an action star. No, no. But, you know, despite the fact that he's fucking sticking that Thompson through the through the eyesight on the, on the tiger tank and just hosing the crew down. <laughs> yeah, we don't think of Tom as an action star. No, but, no, I, I, you know, I think of him as, uh, you know... Um, bachelor Party. <laughs> Big, that's, yeah, I, I got the same problem. But uh, uh, I would have, uh, I would have loved that. That sounds like a better treatment, you know. If anything deserves to be remade, as like a miniseries, this thing oh, could, this, that would be a great target. That would be oh yeah, because the movie's just, uh, it's just, like I said, I, just to kind of prep, I kind of rewatched this last night. When I say rewatched it, the, my finger was on the fast forward a lot. Okay. Yeah. Just to kind of refresh my memory on a lot of the stuff. Oof. Like I said, it's kind of like, you know, you know, dances with fields of water, you know, is like, you know, yeah. should be like the name of the movie, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, and I, one of the things I want to throw out also is... Why does he have to make so fucking much, movies that are so long, you know? Cause, because apparently he's a genius and he doesn't need an editor. Okay. How, how does he keep getting work? But, uh... Well, it was the 90s. He's, he's not quite getting the same, you know, cash allowance today. What was it? Uh, Kevin Costner? Was in, Was he in No Way Out? Um, yes. Okay. Yes. I was referencing Family Guy. Like, it shows, like, uh, um, um, what's his name? That's oh. stupid. Chris. Brian? Chris. You know, Chris was walking out of a movie, like, and you see that you see the marquee says Kevin Costner No Way Out, and he's and he's going. He's like, how does he keep getting work? You know. So. <laughs> um. Uh, and I, and and again, I I don't even know why the fuck is is fucking Tom Petty in the movie. I um, like Tom Petty. You know. I, th I think Tom Petty is a friend of the apocalypse. Well, <laughs> you're right. In fact, uh, you know, the IMDb thing mentions that. Uh, uh, back in, I guess it was uh, when Tom Petty filled "You Got Lucky, Babe." Yeah. Um, yeah, you got lucky. Uh, he mentioned during the filming that, that he wanted to do a small part in a futuristic movie and always wanted to portray a post-apocalyptic character. Well, he got his okay, make a wish foundation, all right. But I, I still don't know why he's in the movie. I just don't. Um, but regardless, uh, oh. movie bad book. Good. Amazing. Where, 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 where do you read? Possibly the best post-apocalyptic novel ever written. It's mm -hmm. it's up there with the with the uh, uh, was it Eternity Road? Eternity Road. I I I got I like Eternity Road better. Okay. Uh, it's I up like there Lucifer's with... Top ten. We'll give it top ten. Yeah, it's up there with Lucifer's Hammer for goddamn sure. It is up there with Eternity Road for goddamn sure. It is. It might be the top. That could be easily be your top three, and there'd be no arguments for me. You know, any position you place those in, this is 
one of the most amazing post-apocalyptic novels ever. You know, then that just gave me an idea for yet another episode. Is uh, we'll do our top ten uh, favorite post-apocalyptic novels. You know, no problem. And, like I'll talk about mine, talk about yours. I'll throw on an extra guest or two, and we could have them talk. We yes. Yes, we don't need to hear us just blather on. We need some. Yeah, other... no, no. It's you know, and that way we you know, we, we don't have to go into super detail of it. But like, what did you like about? It? Just keep it brief. But you know, to go over all those books, you know, yeah, that's a topic for a show. But uh, so that's our, that's our review of the Postman book and movie, folks. Um, and like I said, I, I got my idea for another show. But next week, well, not next week, uh, the week after, uh, we're going to do. Uh, did you lock up, Scott? You still with me? Oh, right at the end, I lost Scott. Can you believe that, folks? Scott and his goddamn internet. Um, so, well, I'm gonna. Yeah, he's he's out. Is he coming back? Scott, can you hear me? All right. Well, anyway, uh, like I just talked with Scott, uh, we'll do our show in uh, two weeks as normal, and uh, during that week, uh, the new Planet of the Apes movie, uh, Planet of the Ape, the Rise of the Planet of the Apes, will be coming out. You know, for the reboot. So for episode 28 of Podcast Act Round Zero, Podcast Act Round Zero is going ape. We're going to be talking about the Planet of the Apes franchise, okay? Uh, I haven't read the book. Scott hasn't read the original book, but we'll mention it. We'll try to maybe read up on it a little bit, but we're going to really be talking about more of the, uh, the AV aspect of it, the audiovisual, the, the, the five original five movies. We will talk about the uh, Marky Mark uh, Planet of the Apes uh, Reboot with uh, director uh, Tim Burton, and the new the new reboot of the franchise with the new one coming out and the previous movie. Uh, we'll also talk about the Planet of the Apes uh, TV series that uh, came out in the 70s, as well as the Planet of the Apes cartoon that was there. So we're going to talk about the franchise, you know, the Ape Apocalypse. So we're going Ape for uh, two weeks from now, which will be well, I'll tell you the date here in a second because that's the movie week that the movie's coming out, which is. So the 21st, which will be two Mondays from now. Hello, welcome back, Scott. I lost you there. Hello. Sorry about that. No, I was just, uh, I was just telling folks how in uh, two weeks from now, the 21st, we're going to be going ape. So I've been explaining to them that what we're going to be doing for our next show, because that's the same week that the Planet of the Apes, uh, Rise of the, the New Rise of Planet of the Apes movie will be uh, coming out. So we're going to be talking about that as on our next show, folks. Uh, like I told them, you know, the movies, the TV show, the reboots, both reboots. You Can know. we talk about the toys? Can we talk about all the Planet of the Apes toys I had as a kid? Oh, you know the the Mego giant, the Mego dolls with the with the treehouse set up and the uh, yes, the little... yes, absolutely. With the they came with a, 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 a Doctor Zaius and Cornelius and an astronaut and tons and tons of gorillas. I remember the treehouse had a like a, a bench or a chair that you flipped and it had guns underneath it. That's where they were hidden. Like, cause I had that myself and they had like they had like the cage where you could have them driving up in, you know. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, 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 before the show, I'm going to have to visit the uh, Plaid Stallions uh, website because he, <laughs> he, he has lots of stuff about 70s toys and he'll have, definitely have the Planet of the Apes stuff. So I'll have uh, some good material there. So. I, I gotta get. I want to get one last word in about you know the movie sucking versus the book being awesome, because this is one of the things that really bugged me. Okay. The, uh, you mean we didn't? We talk about everything that bugged you? Oh no, no. There's not enough time in the day to talk about <laughs> everything that bugged me. I, I, we, need, we, we need three hours. We need the length of the movie. Oh. Um, 
and it would still it would be better. Yeah, uh, it'd be a better. It'd be a better, better way to spend your time. Uh, but here's the one that really. Wait, 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 listening to us talk for three hours as opposed to watching Postman. Yes, it's clearly a better way to spend your time. You're not sure about that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think listening to us for an hour, hour and a half, is pretty, uh, pretty taxing to people. But uh, yeah. three hours might be, uh, might be might be much. There's a rash of internet suicides. All right. So, um, what I was gonna say was that uh, in the movie, they take Ford Lincoln Mercury out to shoot him. The Hollister, and they prop him up. And they have him stand up there. And, oh yeah, we forgot about uh, we yeah. talk about that. Yeah. And and they, they put him out next to this guy, and the guy's like wearing some sort of uniform. He's like, "Who are you?" He's like, "Ford Lincoln Mercury, postmaster for you know wherever, restored United States of America." And the other guy goes, "Oh, I'm Joe Smith, the uh, postman for the you know California Republic." And then uh, they sh then they take that guy out and shoot him, and they don't shoot Ford Lincoln Mercury for reasons that even now I don't know. But it's like you know, and then Will Patton. As General Bethlehem goes, you see, it's spreading, you know. And I'm like, are you trying to tell me that the first step toward civilization is a postal service no matter what your plans are? You know, that's that's it. It goes, you go straight to postal service? Ugh! In the book, it wasn't a postal service, right? It was just they get captured. Gordon gets captured with this woman. Maybe it's uh, Dia, whatever. And they're in a cell that the Hollands have him in, and there's a de there's a guy dying in the cell. He's a wounded soldier, and they go over to check him, and they find that on his sole shoulder he's got a he's got the California flag. It says Bear Flag Republic on it. And then somebody finds out that they put him in the wrong cell, and they quickly drag the guy out. Like, you didn't see that? And when he goes to meet the general of the Hollandists, he's like, oh, I get it now. You're coming north because you're getting your asses kicked by California. And it's this great moment for me. Anyways, it's like we're not the only people getting our act together up here in Oregon. Yeah. Everybody is getting their act together. You know, everybody's getting their act together. And one of the reasons that they get their act together is because everyone agrees that we hate Hollandists. Exactly. You know, you're the motivator that's making us build our civilization. Yeah, you're, you're, you're the reason we're organized, and for no other reason, not the post office. Yeah, in the movie they make it seem like the post office is the post is the key to civilization. Uh, no. Yeah. Thanks for providing such a horrible threat, such an inimical threat that you can't deal with, that will not negotiate, that will not be placated, that has only one goal, but your complete subjugation or destruction. Thank you for being that awful because, you know, now we can just go ahead and, you know, there's there's no middle ground. We can just all agree that you have to go, you know, and certainly that's what happens to the Hollandists by the time the novel is, in, is, is winding down. It is not going well for the Hollandists. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you remember that one of my favorite things in the book as well was they got one guy in the, the, the Oregon militia who's fighting off the Hollandists. Who's this? Uh, he stood out for me because there were so few black characters. Uh, because gee, the racial makeup of Southern Oregon isn't all that African American. But the one guy who was an ex-Marine had been trying to train everybody, and at some point they're out on patrol, and they find one of their guys killed by the Hollandists. And I don't remember if it was a. I kind of remember it being a, a female character. 
And then he's like, all right, you know, don't let the rest of the patrol come up here. i got to do something. And Gore's like, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to mutilate the corpse. And he's like, mutilate the corpse? Why? Because right now the men are scared of the Holocausts. If I mutilate the corpse of a woman and we say the Holocaust did it, they're not going to be scared anymore. They're going to be mad, and they're going to be looking for revenge. So we're going to give them, you know, we need to get, we need to put some, you know, fire in their belly, so we're going to do this. And I just thought that was such an, <laughs> such a terrible moment of the realities of psychological warfare. And oh, yeah. Motivating, motivating people to fight that you sometimes have to lie to people to fight, even in a good cause, you know. Uh, yeah, because that was the thing about you know people don't want to rally. They, you know, the the uh, the Sugar Mountain, you know, um, uh, her. You know, what was he? He was what was he called again? The um, the, the Squire of Sugarloaf Mountain was like not our problem. You know, yeah, you're all weak. You didn't want to. You know, it's like he could have helped them early on and band them together, help them fight, but he didn't want to because like you know it's not my problem. Yeah, I've covered my my nuts covered. They're not bothering me. That's your problem, you know. And the idea that people are, you know, like by mutilating this corpse, committed, creating an atrocity for people to be horrified by, they're eliminating that thought that everybody's having that's, is this worth risking my life? Maybe if we surrender, it won't be so bad. Yeah. You know, when it's going to be bad. You know, that's... And that, that's a, and that made me think of something, I don't know why, but... He, he talked about it. He talked about several times in the book about how the Hollandists are very wasteful. You know, when it comes like they're hunting, they just you know hastily just chop up some stuff and leave so much of the corpse. You know, like they hunt deer, they just leave so much of it. They don't utilize it. They they he talked about it several times in the book. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, I don't. I think he was just trying to emphasize like how. Forward-thinking, those people are not. They're just very uh, in the moment. Well, they, they, yeah, they, they, it's like they have to keep moving from one area to the other, predating, preying on that area, exhausting the resources, and then moving on to the next area, because they're just gonna. They they when they get down to the Rogue River and they actually see the Hollandists camp, despite the fact that the Hollandists are decked out in freaking you know Kevlar ballistic vests, and there's a one description of their weapons where they he, he sees a, a group of them and they've got like all these assault rifles with silencers and tactical scopes and they're all their weapons and gear are all perfectly cleaned up and you know their 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 camos all sticks together. They're literally living in caves. I mean, their 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 settlement on the Rogue River is pathetic. I mean, it, it's kind of refugee stuff. It, it, it they're, they're uh, like they have no skills how to take care of themselves except to conquer yeah. people and make them do all the work. Yeah, they just know how to fight. That's it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So they were you know which mainly reminds me of Spartans who have that sort of reputation in the ancient world as having you know an entire slave society uh, built around doing all the things that they don't know how to do for themselves because they've just surrendered that knowledge base so that they could be the perfect warriors, you know. Um, uh, there's, and one of the reasons I love uh, the book is because David Brin takes a big old shot to the balls to that kind of bullshit, hyper macho militarism. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, which always, you know, 
which God knows so much of apocalyptic fiction is, is. built on. You know, shall we talk oh, about yeah. when Deutonics 45 hardballers again with the Pachmeyer grips? <laughs> what, the uh, twin Deutonics 45, the Pachmeyer grips that John Thomas work the survivalist wheels? Wheels in every situation. There's never a situation where those twin shooting a pair of guns is not a uh, 45s is not appropriate. Uh, and, he, and, he's, and he's got the bunker in uh, in the mountains of Georgia where he has apparently has cryogenic chambers. You, yeah, we, yeah. We, can, we can talk about the survivalists another time. But <laughs> oh boy, you know I, I I don't think I'm I'm not actually qualified to really talk about it after they have the apocalypse apocalypse in that series, because first there's an apocalypse with World War III, and then there's the apocalypse apocalypse. Yeah, remember they burn the sky, and then there's like uh, the U.S. underwater base, and the neo and the Nazis in South America. Some of Nazis. Out of the fucking blue, there's an underground base filled with South American... What? Um, All right, we'll talk about the, the survivalists another time. Another but, time. Greatest well, book ever. So, yes, yeah, so if you can get the Postman is very readily available, folks, so pick that up. And, again, uh, thank you for being with us. In uh, two weeks, we're going to go wait talk about the Planet of the Apes uh, franchise. And, uh, as I haven't said in a while, but always be, be um, socially responsible. I know we have a lot, uh, quite a few followers on the YouTube uh, channel now. Uh, I think we've got, like, over 130, 100, about 140 now. So we're getting, getting more and more people following us. Um, You'd think they'd have better things to do with their time. Exactly. But we saw, I still haven't broken, uh, you know, our Facebook page hasn't broken 100 likes yet. We're, like, at 94. All right, so I know there's at least a, over 100 of you who are on the YouTube channel. Go to the Facebook page and like it. I'd like to see 100 likes on that. So everybody's take-home task, everybody's homework is if you haven't, if you're watching this show on the YouTube channel, and I know there's, like, 137 of you, if you haven't liked the Facebook page, go like the fucking Facebook page, okay? Let's get 100 likes before the next show. Did, did you like it? Did you like it? I can't like myself. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to go make sure that I push the like button just to push it higher because, you know, the hell with ethics. I want 100 likes. Exactly. I want to at least break a fucking 100. So, so there you go, folks. <laughs> so that's it. We'll see you in two weeks uh, for Going Ape. Uh, this is uh, the Apocalypse Nerd, Jared Wallace. And Adam Baum, Glancy for Podcast at Ground Zero. Thank you and good night. Good night.